Ciao ragazzi and welcome back to another edition of Serie A Sit Down World Football Index's podcast for your culture to go. I'm Frank Crivello back in the seat. He's Richard Carmen. Ciao Richard. Ciao Frank. How are we doing on this? What, what day is it? Wednesday. 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 We, oh, Wednesday we, we never do a Wednesday. We must. There must have been a big game today. So yeah, yeah. And it was also Mother's Day on Sunday. So there's yes, no way either there. of us were. Recording a podcast on on yeah. a Sunday on a mother on a Mother's Day Sunday. There's no chance. We wouldn't in hell be here that if out. that was the case. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that would have been our it would have been our last uh, uh, sit down. That's for sure. George, good to see you. Uh, we're expecting big things from your team this weekend. Mm. Probably expecting to be let down, but <laughs> you, yeah. you guys are you guys are suddenly very important uh, uh, to us Milanisti. <laughs> so um, I want to give a shout out to Alex and Jerry for uh, admirably stepping in in my absence uh, last week and helping me out. And uh, I got to uh, catch the tail end of it, and I turned up in the chat to try to try to weigh in and, and give my two cents as best I could. So. Um, but, uh, they're holding it down, especially I understand Jerry has tested positive now for COVID and I just want to, uh, Jerry, I want to wish you well, hope you are feeling better, bud. Uh, hopefully this podcast gives you, um, a little something to do, a little something to take your mind off of it. So, mm-hmm. um, but you know, thanks to the boys from the Gal Show connection for, uh, jumping in, uh, guys, you guys all nailed it. So, uh, great stuff. So Cheers. how have you been? Good, good. It's been, a, a- up and down weekend started with some highs um obviously get to see i got to see a promotion went to dc not a game and then the weekend ended with mother's day my wife and my son test positive for covid so you know (sighs) up and down up and down but uh yeah how was your weekend um it was very busy i've got two kids each in two sports so um yeah managing it all and uh just trying to get through some of those days it's like you know Needs to look forward to weekends, but yeah. <laughs> so uh, no, it was fine. Um, I myself was under the weather late in the week, I'd, but it was the usual sinus cold that I get all the time, mm. and I still kind of have remains from it. Um, I, I took a test and was negative, so um, I've, I've dodged that bullet. But yeah, me too. Um, yeah, yeah, it's uh, so. It's, it's what it is. So um, we've got Anthony in the house. We've got George in the house. Uh, pack the chat, guys. If you are watching us tonight, uh, chime in. Who, tell us who you are. Uh, please subscribe to the channel. Uh, click that notification bell uh, so that you can be prompted when we go live on future events. And, of course, drop a like uh, because uh, we know you're going to enjoy the content you're going to get here. So... We had another uh, eventful weekend in Serie A. We're going to yep. talk about that a little bit later. We're going to break down the title race. Two games left. Milan need four points to seal their first Scudetto since 2010. Uh, Inter are hoping for a slip-up. Um, we will also talk about this relegation race, which is getting better and better uh, with each passing week. Uh, we'll break down... Each team, and uh, if you've been listening to us regularly, you'll know that I've been saying that Spezia are not safe, um, and uh, that is unfolding. So, 
a little bit of work to do for them. I think they can win one, find a way to win one of their last two games. They'll be all right, but it is going to be very, very difficult for Mm. them. Mm. Um, And uh, finally, we will wrap it all up. We'll talk about Roma advancing to the conference league final. So it'll be the first time we actually talk about the conference league. um, Roma carrying uh, Italy. Who knew? (laughs) Who knew? Yeah. That's what Roman Easty and that's what Roma, Roma Twitter wants you to believe. So, um, but we will discuss that the upcoming final against Feyenoord, what to look forward to, uh, with that. And of course we finished with the world's most popular hashtag game, Richard, who won Calcio Twitter. But before we get to all of that, let's break down what was an incredible Coppa Italia final today, uh, between Juventus and Inter, the Derby d'Italia in the, in a final in Rome, um, all of the pageantry that goes with it. Who was who sang the anthem? Who was that? Um, I don't know, but she was very good. She was very good. <clears throat> yeah, she sang it. I mean, she sang it as if she was Buffon. I know, right? Um, <laughs> she so. was very good. Whoever she was, uh, I missed the name, but she nailed it. She nailed it. Yep. Yep. No doubt about it. So, uh, so it was good to uh, good to hear the anthem. We're not going to hear it at the World Cup, so you might as well hear it now. Yeah. So, um, it's what it is. But. Um, uh, let's get into the lineups, Richard. Mattia Perrin has been the Copa goalkeeper. He starts the final. Um, then Allegri chooses a back four of Danilo, Delic, Chiellini, and Alexandro, uh, Quadrado, and Bernardeschi in midfield, uh, on, wide in the midfield with Zakaria and Rabio in the middle, and then Dybala and Vlaovic up front. Um, this, when I looked at this, I thought, ah, oh, this. This is aggressive. They they want the ball, I think, and I think they're going to want to try to dominate possession and, and and try to create create some superiority out of this game. What did you think? Yeah, no, and I, I thought that was going to be the plan with Allegri the whole way because Inter are most comfortable on the counter, and I think Juventus want to Inter are going to gladly give them possession, and so this sets up favorably for Juventus to to have that possession. I was a little, I, mean, I saw Vlahovic and Dybala up top, and I was. I thought it would have been better if Morata had started this game and maybe you drop somebody else in the midfield like Rabio or, or something like that. But um, they decided to go with this, you know, this 4-4-2. And, I mean, it looked aggressive and they started out on the front foot. So um, decent lineup already from the beginning, but there were some glaring issues defensively that you know we'll get to, mostly in the name of Danilo. Uh, but, uh, yeah, decent lineup. I mean, like we said, only change I probably would have made was add Morata. So. Yeah. Um... You know, when I look at it, I look at <clears throat> Vlaovic gets isolated and probably gets passed off between Skriniar and Devrai. Dybala probably works underneath him to his le- to Vlaovic's left, to Vlaovic's right. He's probably got some license to roam a little bit. Um, you know, you've got Quadrado providing some width uh, on the right-hand side. Um and I don't know if they were trying to design that to maybe put some pressure on Perisic and keep him on the back foot. Uh, you know, and then you had Bernadeschi on the left-hand side, which to me was a curious start. Um, but yeah, I mean, it looked like to me that they were trying to go for some sort of superiority with the ball. <coughs> and which was strange to me because what's that? And maybe clog up that midfield too. You know? Yeah. And it was strange to me because, Inter are very happy to let you have more possession so uh, than they did. And, you know, that's, you know it, it turned out that Inter had more of the possession in this game. 
but, you know, at first glance, when you look at it on paper, you think that, you know, okay, Juve is going to see more of the ball in this game and Inter is going to sit back and go on the break. So when we look at Inter's lineup, it's Andanovic in goal. Uh, D'Ambrosio, De Vrij, and then Skriniar to the left of that back three. And then Darmian gets the start on the right, Perisic to the left, and then you go Barella, Brozovic, Chalanola, which has been pretty familiar. And then they go, you know, with what has been relatively tried and trusted between Aiden Dzeko and Lotaro Martinez. Uh, first thing that immediately came to my mind was uh, Chiellini's on Dzeko. Mm. Um which probably gives a little bit of freedom to Lotaro. Um, and then I also look at it and say, you know, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's going to be a big dependence here on Patisic, on the combination of Patisic and Lotaro in this game for Inter. Um, your thoughts on uh, Simone Inzaghi pretty much run, running out of familiar lineup. Yeah, the, oh, the interesting part was having Skriniar on the left for sure. I thought that was odd. And, you know, you, you normally see him on the right-hand side, not the left. But, you know, when you're in a big game like this, you got no Bastoni, you know, you want to have him out there, and, and D'Ambrosio they felt comfortable with, so they put him on the right because that's his main, you know, main side of the field. So I mean, you got to trust Inzaghi; he knows what he's doing in the situation. My only question with this starting lineup was, you know, Lartaro and and Jeco haven't seemed to click together this season. Every time they play yeah. each other, it's been off. Um, you see better with either, you know, anybody else, any pretty much any other pairing, but these two. Uh, but these are the two main guys on the team. They both have a lot of goals this year, and so. I can see why they went for it, but I mean, to me, that didn't make it any sense. But um, you know, and also Denzel Dumfries, I would have liked to see him. But Darmian, uh, he's been playing well this season as well. So um, yeah, decent lineup for both these teams, honestly. And I thought this sure. is uh, you. You mentioned on the uh, before before the game started on your thread about how this is a perfect kind of game for like a Parasitch and a Darmian type of the wings to take over this one. And I thought that's you know the way they lined up in this one. Uh, they had a really good opportunity to do this, even though Juventus started in the four four two. I thought um, with that midfield there that they have, really, you know, the the, the three guys, Chalanolo, Brozovic, and, and Barella, um, plus with you got you know Dimbrosio and and Skriniar pushing up, they really had a chance to push down on those wings and really get you know Perisic behind Cuadrado and then Darmian past the Bernadeschi, uh, which would have been big for them, especially on the counterattacks. And so I was really curious to see how that would play out in this game. Sure, I wonder. Because I, I think DeVries left-footed, if I'm not mistaken. And so it kind of surprised me that he played in the central role. Right. No, he's right foot. He's right footed. Is he? Okay. Forget it. Um I don't know why. I don't know why I thought he was left-footed for some reason. But anyway. Um so yeah, I, I looked at it and thought um Danilo is kind of a shell of himself uh defensively. And I thought that Perisic wasn't going to be a problem getting behind Quadrado, who, you know, does his best to impersonate a fullback when asked to, but isn't really a fullback. He's a winger. He's, you know, maybe a wing back if you wanted to play a three-man defense. Um, and I'm talking about just in defensive situations. He can cross the ball as well as anybody in this league. Um, Perisic, for me, I thought it was going to be pretty easy for him. I thought that left-hand side was going – and in, in essence, I basically said that left-hand side. I picked out Pettisic and Martinez. You know, I mean, over the course of the game, that ended up being a good call. But the left-hand side was where Inter were going to find the danger and create the danger, and that's where it happened. Um, Nicola Borella gets free um, after being played. He, he somehow drifts over to that side. Um 
and and thank God he did because what a goal he scored. Um, after the pass from Brozovic, uh, cuts inside, has a go. Nobody really closes him down, um, and it's it's a goal to nil right off the bat. Six minutes in for Inter. Um, what did you? Where was the confusion with 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 Juve on that? Did you think? I don't know. I, I, I think, like you said, you, they kind of weren't expecting um, Barella to be over there. Maybe they were expecting Chalanola to be over there. And when him and, and Barella kind of rotated, um, Barella went over there to kind of help out Perisic on the left-hand side and, and get the ball because uh, that's where the opening was. I don't know. It just like it seemed like because of the bodies there and the rotation that maybe whoever was supposed to be guarding Barella kind of lost him in that shuffle and wide open the top of the box, like you said, did a little move and then curled it beautifully past the keeper. I mean, no keeper in the world is going to stop that. Uh, excellent. That's what. That's the kind of goal we we've come to know with Barella. It's been yeah. quite the season because he's been obviously played a million games over the past couple of years. But uh, that's what we expect from him in big games. And man, he came out flying. That was a beautiful goal to start off the the, the big game. He's really. I, I I think he has kind of regrouped here. Uh, you know, in the last few weeks, I've I've yeah. seen good games from him. Yeah. Um. You know, in recent in you know in in recent outings. So. Um. You know, and I think that that's. That's also part of the the formation that Inter ran, runs out and playing against the Juve that that ran out two center midfielders. Um, that if you you sh- you have some mobility within the three center mids, and in this case, Barella going off to the left, I, you can create a lot of confusion that doing it that way. Um, and and now you're asking questions. You're asking questions of Zachariah. Zach, do I go? Do I shadow him? Do I stay home because of Chalinolu? And you know, Danilo is. I think Danilo was picking up Perisic because Perisic was coming into the box, and it was an it was it was really good overload by Inter um, to create that confusion too. And I think you have to give them a lot of credit on that goal. Um, I thought uh, that was all you know really well worked in that process. And sometimes you got to do that. You you overload, and especially on the side that you know your opponent might be a little bit weaker. Because for me, I think Alexandro, even though Alexandro. Juventini will tell you has probably regressed a little bit as well. He's he's not worse than Danilo. Um, you know, I what think a drop th- for him with Danilo. Do you think Danilo? He used to be decent. He used to be decent a couple years ago. Do you think it's time for him to be a center back now? What's that? You know, do you think it's time for him to be a center back now and not a fullback? Yeah, yeah that, no. the, the times he's had his best games were at center back, but but yeah, his drop off has been tremendous. You know, this year in particular and. Uh, he struggled mightily in that in that final, and and there's a reason why he came out so early is because he was pretty poor. Yep. Um, Decilio was suspended, so I think that that's another big reason why it was easy for Inter to attack that side. Um, you know, and I think that I I, I think because I'll I'll give credit where credit is due. Decilio's been good this year. You do know um, we're recording this podcast, right? Yeah, I, I'm, 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 I'm manning up, <laughs> and I'm giving credit here. And Fair you know, I, I still, I still won't give Destro any credit. I still won't give guys like that any credit. But yeah. in this case, the Julio, yeah, okay. And I think that he's a guy that Juventus missed. It's a strange thing to say, but it's a reality. So, um, you know, and I think that. Where did all of Inter's attacks come from in this win? All of their goals, they all came from the left. Yeah, right. They, yeah. you know, they the, the two penalties. 
originated from crosses that came from the left-hand side. Um, and then uh, Bardella finishes on that side. Pedisic finishes on that side. Uh, so so we'll get to that. And I think that that was – and I think that that got further exposed when Danilo ha- got hurt and actually had to leave the game. Um, and now Cuadrado has to pretend he's a fullback again. Um you know, we're okay going forward and overlapping is fine. You get the crossing and you get some of that other stuff, but the defensive stuff, the defensive stuff, you know, isn't there. He's not that, he's not that kind of player. Um, so Danilo has to come out. And I thought that Allegri was smart in bringing on Morata and just going yeah. with, okay, we're going to play Quadrado in the back four, you know, and I think that pulled Dybala uh, wide and that pulled Bernadeschi wide. Um, and, uh, you, now you got Vlaovic and Murata up front. So now you've got two targets and now you've got a little more pressure on the inter-defense. Mm. So, yeah. um, I think the presence of Murata suddenly meant that, um, okay. Devra is probably isolated on Vlaovic. Grinyar is probably isolated on Murata or, or vice versa. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, and I think that that was a different thing. Now you've got them where, previously okay wherever Vlaovic is going you know you don't have to dedicate one guy to him you could pass him off a little bit and I think that that's what Inter was doing initially and they were doing a good job of it um Vlaovic got the great chance there in the first half and that was really out of blown possession from Inter um they tried to play a ball forward I think it was an under hit ball Juve comes back the other way Inter's stretched and aren't recovering in time and Vlaovic gets off a shot uh Great save by Handanovic. I, I'll stop. I'll stop short of saying it was world class. It was a good save. Yeah, a couple of them. Um, in the first half. What's that? He had a couple of good saves in the first half. Yep, but I, yeah, it was a very good save. I don't know if I'll call it world class. Bonetti wanted to call it world class. Said it was world class. Um, I, I've seen more. I've I, I, there 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 are saves that I've seen that are, that you know that are better than that that I haven't called world class, but. I digress. Um, and really, uh, Vlaovic's only contribution in the first half. So Inter has to look at this situation, go into halftime and say, yeah, job done. We've bottled up Vlaovic. Dybala is as usual. I don't show up for big games. Um, the nerve of Sofa score to give him a 7.3 <laughs> um, for two shots on target that really weren't that dangerous. I don't remember it. Yeah. And then... He created two chances. One of them was the Vlaovic chance, I think. That was his pass, which anybody on that team could do. You and I could do. <laughs> so um, so we go into halftime with Inter up a goal to nil. We go with Vlaovic having one dangerous chance that came out of Inter's failure to keep possession. Okay, and then um, we have... Dybala again in a final in a big game not performing. Yeah, I mean, that was the main thing that was glaring with me because he had a couple opportunities where had he been playing Cagliari or Salernitana, he'd be scoring those goals, but it's because it's a big game, he's not scoring. And uh, that that was jumping out of me. I thought Juventus had some good pressure in the game, and I know some Interisi were saying how Inter were playing poor and they were getting run around, but honestly, I think that was playing perfectly into Inter's hands. They were sitting back trying to play on the counterattack. They were bending but not breaking. Yes, Juventus had some opportunities, but nothing really dangerous. The closest one was probably the Vlahovic one that you mentioned. Um, but other than that, 
like I said, two two saves by Hanonich in the first half. But other than that, Inter looked fairly comfortable despite not despite majority of the possession seem seemingly look like it was mostly Juventus, even though even though the statistics <coughs> I thought that um Inter looked fairly comfortable despite all the pressure that Juventus is you know creating. Nothing really was super dangerous. And so going into halftime, one nothing up and really bottling up, you know, Vlahovic for the most part in that first half. I thought they were sitting pretty. Um yeah. But uh, yeah, I did not expect what came in the second half. I'm sure um, other people did, but I, I certainly did not. When those, when that second half came out with a bang, the way the first half went, you would have thought Juve had more of the ball, right? Inter possessed it 58. percent Yeah, yeah, unreal. You know, I mean, yeah, I mean, Juve produced chances. They, I mean, Vlahovic was the most dangerous, and then after that, Handanovic wasn't particularly troubled. There were two that went right to him. Yeah. After that, and then you know, you look at at Inter. They're they're getting more of the ball. Juve is just getting very, very efficient and creating um, quick chances. And they're just uh, basically shooting anything that comes up. You know, they kind of do the you know, no shots a bad shot approach. And probably a lot of this is due to Barella scoring that goal early on. It forced them to come out of their shell and really kind of play offensive and try and get a goal back. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, it, it made sense why Inter kind of got in the back foot, even though they had more possession. And and I did like what I saw from Juventus in terms of moving the ball around and creating opportunities. It just uh, the finishing was far from perfect, and Dybala was one of the biggest ones culprits. Where he, um, any other any other team that's not you know top of the table, he's going to score goals against. And again, it's yep. another big game. It's you know why many Juventini are not that upset seeing him go because he wants ten million dollars a year and he's not scoring goals where he should be in those kind of opportunities. So. Yep. Um, the halftime comments from the the studio group at Paramount Plus were interesting to me. They they said that they thought that there's really no chance for Juve to get back in this game unless they press or if they score off of a set piece. Um, where you, you how did the second half start? Inter had the ball. They had more of the ball, and Juventus were happy with just sitting back and. And, and picking their spots where they would confront them. Um, we talk about Inter as a team that you can press, especially that back three, D'Ambrosio, Skriniar, and De Vrij. You could. Juve chose not to. Um, Juve chose to close spaces, try to deny balls into Dzeko, and then if it does get into Dzeko, you've got Chiellini there. Um, they, they they limited the space of, of, of Lataro for the most part. And, you know, just where they were weakest is where Perisic was finding room on the left-hand side. Juve wins the ball. They start a counterattack. They go the other way. Alexandra scores 1-1. Uh, so it's kind of like totally opposite of the uh, studio team's narrative of, of what they thought was going to take for Juve to get back in. Now, Allegri stayed patient with the way he was doing things, and they got a goal out of it. Yeah, and I'm surprised by that too because, you know, like you said, Inter, or Juve should have pressed Inter to kind of cause turnovers and, and create chances that way, and they didn't do that. What you saw is them dropping back to midfield and, and allowing the defenders, the three the three center backs, to do what they want and kind of figure the, figure the play out. You know, they're they're all good passers of the ball, and why yeah. would you let them do that? I don't know. It makes sense to press them and kind of cause the turnovers, and they weren't doing that. However, like you said, Allegri and the team, they, they stayed patient, and, you know, they, they, they benefited from a – um, a, a goal by Danilo to make it, or excuse me, uh, Alexander to make a one-one, and just like that, I was like, okay, game on, um, and it wasn't over. <laughs> was it? And 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 I I find it interesting because the goal came on w- what player's side? D'Ambrosio. 
Okay, so it's like, all right, let them let them come forward, let them get stretched. And when we count it, we're going to count it to the side where the 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 player of the player who's had the least repetition uh, as far as games. Um, <clears throat> I think that that's was smart reading of the game by Juve when they countered. Um, they would get it a couple minutes later, and they play through Vlaovic. And where was Vlaovic making his run in the in the space that's supposed to be defended by D'Ambrosio, but he's too high. Um, so he, he's onside at the time to run. The ball goes through. He gets a shot that. Hits Andanovic in the face, falls back to him, tucks it in. 2-1 to Juve, and suddenly this game is turned on its head. Yeah, I, I was completely shocked. At the first goal, you're like, okay, it's a goal, whatever. But then to get a, another goal so quickly, um, I was completely shocked by that. did not see that coming, and I, I don't think Inter saw that coming, honestly. Uh, so be down 2-1, to and now you're playing into the wheelhouse of Allegri. If this had been Allegri 1.0, I, was, I would say that game's over. All right, I don't care how good Inter squad is, but this is not this is not Allegri's 1.0. This is Allegri 2.0, and this is not an upgraded version. Allegri 2.0 we've seen all season long been very leaky when they have a lead. Um, where in the past it would be close up shop, game is over. Uh, so you knew there was a chance still, even though being up 2-1. But if you're Allegri and, and you're loving <laughs> it because you you got them on the, on the back foot, they have to come out of their shell more. Maybe you'll get some counter attacking opportunities of your own. With you know Dabala, Vlahovic, and and, and um, Morata, so you know it looked like it was fa- it was starting to favor Juventus, and they were doing a pretty good job for most of that second half, I think, after they went up two one. But uh, yeah, completely surprised by that by the two goals there in quick succession. Yeah, definitely. I'm sorry, I just had to look up at my TV. The Bucks just tied the Celtics 105-105, 42 seconds to go. Uh-huh. Hi, Martino. We're coming. Right we've come. We've come back, bud. <laughs> so, right on. Anyway. Um, so, Marcelo Brozovic incident, um, should he have been sent off? Or is that good refereeing by Valeri to realize, um, okay, this is a cup final, this is emotional, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give him a pass on this one. I was okay with that. I think in a big game, the last thing you want to do is throw a red card, um, and you know, if it obviously it's a dangerous, super dangerous foul, you got to get him out. But yeah, for the most part, if you can avoid taking somebody out the man down and avoid you being the spotlight of the game, you do that. Yeah. And I thought it was a, I thought it was a correct call at the time to do let yeah. him on. I thought he did, I, I didn't think it was warranted a red card in that situation. And I thought the game would have been completely different. The game might have been over had that, um, had that, had he been sent off. So I'm, I'm with you on this. I, I agree that, uh, it, it's the correct decision to say, "Hey, it's a final. I'm gonna, just, I'm gonna let this go. This is not a normal, this is not a typical environment where I think it's time wasting or anything like that. Because your your team is behind, so why why would you do that? You know. So on the one end, on the other end, it's a final. It's emotional. It's tense. It's a rivalry. Um, so all of those things coming into play. I think Paulo Valeri having you, you know using his discretion there. Um, and not getting overexcited, I thought was a good piece of officiating. Uh, now there's going to be people that probably disagree with that. Sure. Um, you know, but come on, let's not let's not let the game get decided on something actually that's that's petty. You know, because we've seen it happen so many times and have it ruin. You know, referees like to make it about themselves sometimes, and that right the, the game, the the ambiance of the game. So I thought he did well not to make it about himself, honestly. Right. Absolutely. So. 
Um, Inter gets aggressive with their substitutions. They 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 go to Correa. Uh, they go to DiMarco to bring out D'Ambrosio, which fixes that shape a little bit back there and gets Skriniar back over to the right-hand side. I'm actually very surprised they didn't start that way with DiMarco. Um, and then Dumfries coming on for Darmian, so it gives Inter more of that you know, progressive look that they've had. Um, and now also you get to the 67th minute, Allegri starting to think, okay, I need to shut, I need to shut up shop and try to win this game. You get Bonucci on an extra defender for Bernadeschi. That made a lot of sense. Uh, Locatelli like for like for Zaccaria. Okay. That's just, okay. Get in there and give me 25 good minutes of running, uh, and close this thing out. That's, that's really what that was about. Um, so, we get to the 80th minute, and Perisic brings the ball across. It's intended for Lotaro. Lotaro's trying to get control of it, and he is clipped. And the referee awards a penalty. Uh, Valeria awards a penalty. I watched that replay multiple times before I offered a – hey, Dominic. Um, before I offered an opinion, and I, I, I can't have any answer other than that was the correct call. Yeah, my initial – when I watched the game, and I saw the one angle that you know is behind, the, looking into the box, um, looking straight at Handanovic, and I see Lautaro's leg come up. It looks like he hooks Bonucci, goes down, and I'm thinking that's not a penalty. There's no way that's a penalty, um, even though they gave, they gave it to them. Uh, and I thought that was a, I thought it was a, I thought Juve got Juve on that play, um, but and you know, I, and I, I put this out on Twitter. I was like, that's not a penalty. Then I saw an angle that I was not privy to before. Someone someone had posted it. And it was a side angle, like sideline angle, where you see um, just before that hook happened, you see Delic come in and his knee ba- runs into Lautaro, and you see clearly Delic's ankle buckle from from the contact. And yeah. as a result, you see the whole chain reaction of things happening. Um, maybe you see Bonucci maybe pull back Lautaro a little bit, I guess. But and I saw the knee to knee contact there by Delict on on Lautaro. I thought that was a penalty, and I ended up changing my call because I thought. Originally, yeah. I thought no penalty, but when I saw that angle and I watched it many, many times, like it's it's hard to tell. It's, it's obviously hard to tell. You know, I don't envy the referees' positions in these kind of situations, but I think in this situation they got it correct. Um, and that's like I said, that second angle that I had not was not privy to before that kind of changed the light for me. So, Chalanola puts it away. It's two two. How good was that penalty? I, I you know Chalanola, you say what you want about him, but. That was one of the best penalties I've ever seen. I mean, top corner, a rocket. Nobody in the world is going to stop that. I mean, you put five goalies in the key, in the, in the box, they're not going to stop that. That was as good as you, anybody can take it. You know, we're recording this, right? I do. I do. If you can walk <laughs> back to Chilio, I can walk back to Chilinello. Chilinello. Just trying, <laughs> yep, just trying to just trying to throw a word, trying to throw it back at you. So, um, so yeah, 80th minute, two two. Um, Prompts uh, Allegri to move Arthur in for Chiellini to go back to a four-man back line and, and get another midfielder in there that can kind of help dictate things. Pellegrini coming on for Alexandro at the beginning of extra time. Pe- Alexandro pretty much just ran his race. I thought Alexandro was really good, goal aside. Um, his tackle started the counterattack that led to Vlaovic's goal. I thought that he was, I thought that he was key. Um, so... Uh, we get to extra time. Uh, Vidal comes on for Chalinolu. Alexis comes on for Lotaro. I thought those were curious substitutions. Um, I mean, this all happened in 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 stoppage. <clears throat> but um, we get into the extra time period. First extra time. 
Um, and Inter's controlling possession. Um, Juve's playing the counterattacking game. Uh, but Inter are getting chances out of it. And then another cross comes in, and uh, I can't remember the player that was bungled into. Um, but it had to go. This one had to go to VAR uh, for review. And ultimately, they reviewed it and said penalty. Um, was it Alexis yeah, that, that got bungled correct, over there? That was a correct call for me. Um, yeah. That was more clear to me than the, than the first one. Uh, no brainer for me. That was a penalty. And I can't remember who the, who, who bumbled over either, but um, yeah, correct call. And um, wasn't Chalanola who stepped up on the, in, in the second penalty, was it? No, it wasn't. Bucks are up by one, 11 seconds left. Okay. Giannis missed a free throw. Portis got the rebound, laid it in. Sorry, everybody. I'm, I, I'm from Milwaukee. I, I, I gotta have an eye on this. <laughs> That's all you gotta say. You're from Milwaukee. Um, all right. Uh, so Perisic puts away the penalty as equally as impressive as, yeah. as Chalinolu's. Yeah. Um, now you got Juve somewhat starting to chase the game a little bit, but um, now you got uh, 102nd minute. Federico Di Marco plays it to Perisic. Perisic scores a screamer. 4-2 to enter, and for all intents and purposes, this Coppa Italia final is over uh, and goes to enter. You go to second extra time. Juve had more of the ball in the second extra time trying to chase it but got nothing of substance uh, to threaten Handanovic and the Inter goal. A win for Inter, a win in the Coppa Italia. Congratulations to our Inter friends, all Interisti out there. Um, you got one trophy. Um, you got a second one actually. They got second the Supercopa, yeah. right? So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so two trophies. I hope you don't get the third uh, <laughs> as a Milan fan. But uh, comments on Inter winning this uh, Coppa Italia? Um, well, for, let me read this comment. Uh, I thought it was a penalty because Delict and Benucci deny. Okay, fair, fair enough, fair enough. Um, yeah, no, I thought the better team won. Um, Inter have been one of the best teams all year round, and. And in this game in particular, and in this tournament, they've been the best team, I thought. Um, there were portions of the game where Juve played a lot better, uh, or played played well, I should say. I don't know, a lot better. Played better or played well. But uh, ultimately, I think, you know, Zaghi got this right. I mean, the lineup, I think somebody in the chat mentioned that he almost got this lineup perfect from the beginning all the way through the end. Um, Parisnich was feasting all day long, honestly. Did you, you know, say Parisnich? <laughs> I might have again. Parisnich. Perisic. He's living rent-free in your head. Perisic is living in my head rent-free. Um, Perisic, uh, dominating the game pretty much all from front to back, deserving that he got the two goals in this game. Yes, won a penalty, but it was a sensational penalty. Wonderful goal that he scored in open play. I mean, I mean the, the touch and then getting the shot off um, caused ha- havoc all game long. And really, you know, that was the side that they took advantage of. And, and it was mostly because of Perisic and Perisic probably. Uh, and so, yeah, I thought... Inter were deserved winners, and um, I was just happy to see it go 120 minutes. That's really all I asked for. I kind of thought, um, I thought there's a chance that UVA could have won this game, but um, you know, Inter were clearly the best team in this in this tournament. Probably, you know, you know, if you look at it just from entertainment entertainment point of view, they're probably the best team in the league. So uh, certainly, with most know, talent, most talented team in the league for sure, for sure. So um, yeah. A double for them at, at present, and you know, Inzaghi is good for him. You know, get the Copa Italia with them. Um, also got the Super Copa early in the season, so yeah, things are going well for them at the moment. And uh, yeah, what do you think about the game? 
I, I, I congratulate Inter. They were the better team in this game. I think that Juventus had the spell there for, you know, the first 15 minutes of the second half. But beyond that, you didn't really see a lot from them. Um, they did get a lot of shots on target, but nothing that gave Handanovic a whole lot of trouble. Um, yeah, and I'm with you. They are the most talented team in this. They were the most talented team in Italy. It's good that they have a trophy like this that goes with their uh, that goes with their talent. Um, you know, because I think you know, in, in the end, yeah, we do pull for underdogs at times, but at other times, we would like to see the best teams. Uh, certainly, like to see the best teams go on and win as well uh, to to validate. I think what this does, I think this validates Simone Inzaghi's project at Inter, and I think that sure. this gets him out of Antonio Conte's shadow just a little bit. Now, there might be some interest that said, nope, you got to win the Scudetto. That's how you're going to fully validate this. For me, I don't agree. I think you have to um, acknowledge that, you know, he's got the attention of this dressing room. He's got the respect of this dressing room. They play hard for him. Um, and and what's going on under Simone Inzaghi is working. And face it, it was, we thought it would. It yeah. wasn't a huge transition for Inter to go from Conte to Inzaghi, who in principle, they're very, very similar in how they play. So, yeah, and I think you got to give him credit too because some of the performances of his players, you know, Perisic, Perisic, um, Denzel Dumfries, you know, you see Alexis, you see uh, Chalanolu, the performance he's had, you know, he's been a lightning rod this season for both Inter and Milan fan bases, you know, and it's it's fun seeing the, the comments go back and forth because, you know, Milan say he sucks, isn't this? And Inter are like, look how good he is, da da da. And I think honestly, both teams got the better end of this deal because. He was not good for Milan. He was not good for that system. He moved to Inter. Milan actually got better on set pieces, and the midfield got better. And Inter's midfield got better, and, and, and Chalanolu got better. Uh, yep. Inter are one of the best teams in the league on set pieces because of Chalanolu. Uh, and, and Milan are pretty good on set pieces themselves. So this worked out for both teams. This is the rare occasion where everybody worked, everybody's happy. Chalanolu is playing very well. Yep. Um, he gets credit. He, he was a workhorse in this game, I thought. He was doing the defensive work, You know, created plays offensively. He did everything, and I, I, you know, I, I'm going to delete this podcast afterwards. But um, <laughs> I show here, but uh, no, he, this may not he make it on. This may not make it on uh, on Apple Podcasts. <laughs> but no, he deserved. He deserved. He did played a very good game, and obviously Brozovic is a good, good, really good player as well. And and Perisic is going to take all the headlines. But I thought Chalanolu deserved a, a lot of the credit as well. Umbrella with his goal, of course. Yeah, Bucks win. 110-107. Uh, they had the one-point lead, and then uh, Drew Holiday blocked a Marcus Smart layup and then uh, uh, hit it off him to go out of bounds. Milwaukee inbounds it. Connaughton gets fouled, makes the free throws. De- Smart's trying to drive for a game-tying three-pointer, and as he's bringing it up the court, Holiday steals it from him um, and right. just dribbles out the clock. So Regrets. After trailing all game. So... Bucks in six. Okay. <laughs> they lead 3-2. Cool. So, hi, Martino. He's a Celtics, <laughs> he's a Celtics fan. So, sorry, guys. I have to, I'm, I'm from Milwaukee. I have to, I have to break in a little Bucks talk here. So, we're pretty proud of our, mm-hmm. our NBA champs. So, um, so yeah, I, I'm with everything that you've said here. Um, Juventus go without a trophy um this year yeah yeah uh it's been a long long time since we could say that um what does this say about allegri's prospects to continue on as juve manager next season 
Um, what does this say about Juve in general? I mean, is are we are, are we looking at some of this being the consequences of going all in on Cristiano Ronaldo, and now that he's gone, it's just trying to figure it all out, and it's it it's you you didn't achieve what you wanted to achieve by having him there, and now you're set back altogether. Um, because I think that's what's going on here, even with buying Vlaovic, because you're basically, I mean, and yeah, he scored in this final, but how many goals does he have since coming over? I mean, this this is not a 75 million return on an invest. This is not a return of investment of 75 million. Yeah. In my opinion. But um, talk about Allegri. I think the having Ronaldo really bandaged, we talked about this many times over, over the years, the podcast, the last couple of years, he bandaged a lot of the the holes that Juventus yep. had because he just pulled out a great game out of his ass and they win the game, um, and so that a lot of that was masked, you know. And now that he's gone, all of this is clear, blaring the issues that they're having. No one to really rescue them now. Obviously, it's not Dybala. He's not a, he's not a big game player. Um, okay. So, a lot of Juventini are saying, "Look, zero trophies. You didn't do as good as Pirlo um, in terms of trophies or points or whatever." I'm not so sure. I think, considering how the season started and how it and how it ended, yes, they're going to say many people are going to say that Juventus should be in the top four no matter what. Um, and I don't know if that's a foregone conclusion. This year was always going to be a much more difficult year. Who knew that Atalanta were going to shit the bed like they did this year, right? Um, Roma and, and Lazio were in, in the mix here, uh, but it was going to be five teams that you know we thought that could have made it made it interesting in this, and even Roma Lazio with 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 Mourinho and. And and Saudi coming in, you, they could have they were player, players in this as well, um, and so you had to start it out so poorly this season. You know, at one point threatening relegation, right in the first few weeks of the season, uh, and then the turnaround they had, they had the long unbeaten streak. I think Allegri deserves another year. I mean, first what he's done with him his first time around, and I know you can't really use that too much, but um, he's really changed the team drastically. I think throughout as the season progressed, they got better. Uh, was it beautiful? No, Allegri's ball is never pretty, right? It's no. all about getting results. And, and that, that long, windless or uh, unbeaten streak, I should say, kind of shows it right there that it is viable. It does work. That's how they got it back into Champions League spot. They went on a tremendous run. And, you know, up until the loss, you know, the, this week, which we're going to, you know, we'll talk about later, um, it, it was, it's good stuff from Allegri, basically. And that's why I say he's. He should be in the nomination for one of the managers of the season because of the performance he's done throughout the year. No, he's not the manager of the year for me, but he should be in a conversation for sure. You and Tina are not going to like to hear that because they won zero trophies this year. They're finishing behind Napoli. Didn't you know? Weren't didn't get any kind of trophies. So, yeah, they want him gone. And who are you going to bring in? I don't know. I'm, I'm sure there's some decent candidates out there, but for me, I think Allegri deserves at least another season. Give him a chance to. Fill up that midfield again with the players that he needs because the team was drastically missing some pieces. That midfield is not good enough. It's obvious. Their attack yeah. is. And if they keep Murata, Chiesa is coming back. Look out. He's going to have some problems. With, you know, yeah, you're going to lose the ball, but you're going to have Chiesa, Morata, and, and Vlahovic possibly, you know, if, if Morata stays. Uh, reinvigorate that midfield. Find somebody to work with uh, Delict if he stays and then get some wing back. I mean, there are lots of pieces they need, but I think ultimately. Yeah. Allegri's done a decent job, and if he gets a chance with the pieces he needs, this could be a decent team to challenge for Scudetto next year. I honestly do. What do you think? I I think that the problem with Juventus's midfield is that they're all the same dudes, you know, like characteristically. 
and you and I have talked about this a lot. We're talking about, you know, why was Manuel Locatelli so good with Sassuolo? Because you know, he, he was in a role where he yeah. got to attack the box. He got to be part of the attack. And, you know, he, he wasn't sitting in front of a back four or, or playing in a protection role or anything like that. And he put him in the same lineup with with, with McKenney. Well, you're making McKenney that guy, and you're now there's a different role for him. Rabio, McKenney, Locatelli, Artur, you can argue they're all the same midfielder. Yeah. From a Korea to an extent too. Yeah. Yeah. Why was Saudi's Napoli so good? Because they had three different midfielders. Jorginho, who was your kind of your deep lying playmaker. Allen, you could play to the right, but you knew what you were getting with Allen. He was just worked worked his tail side off, box to box. And then Hamsik, who, you know, is your creative midfielder in a bit of a higher position, you know. <clears throat> what do you see with the midfield right now? Let's just let's just talk Inter's midfield. Brozovic, um, total energy guy. Uh, yeah. Chalanolo is the pa- the guy that picks the pass, the guy that does some of the creative stuff. Barella, combination of you know combativeness with being able to attack <clears throat> and produce a moment of quality like he did in this game, and also a guy that can really really aggravate you if you're his opponent um, you know so uh, Milan you look at Tonali deep playmaker his defend you know with improved defending Kessie engine room you know uh, Benesser a bit of an engine room guy also has some good passing quality and then Brian Diaz in front of them is the guy that is being asked to go and run at people you know he's running into brick walls when he plays uh, <laughs> that's I mean you, you've got you've got separate characteristics. And I look at Juventus and their midfielders and Cliff is just in time to hear this. Your midfielders are all the same guy and there's no diversity to what they do in that midfield. And there's, and at times they can be painfully predictable in their play, you know, cause you're going to get the same thing from all of them. There's not a, there's not a, to me, there's not a healthy mix and they got to get away from that. I mean, why was the 2015 Juventus midfield so dynamic? Look what they had. Pirlo, Pogba, um, and Vidal. Yeah. Okay. You know, Pirlo was your deep playmaker. Pogba could give you a little bit of everything. Vidal was just a, you know, he was just, you know, just a, a headhunter, really. Was <laughs> a t- you know, a ball winner. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, so I just don't, I don't find enough, differences in the midfielders on Juventus. And that's why I think that that that's part of the problem. I think they've got to diversify that midfield a little bit. I don't think it's a numbers thing. I don't think they just keep adding midfielders to it. They've got to get the right guys that are different from what they have in house right now. So would you give Allegri more uh, a short leash? Would you give it of him? What would you do with Allegri? <clears throat> if I'm, <laughs> if I'm on Yelly, I'm trying to figure out how the hell I can pull Italiano out of Fiorentina um, and change this culture and decide, okay, I'm probably finishing fourth again next year to do this, but it's finishing fourth next year with the idea that we're playing a football that's going to go and win titles. I, I, I saw Lippi's Juventus in the mid 1990s and my jaw dropped with some of the things that they did. The team that won it in 1996 
um, the Champions League I'm referring to with Rabinelli, Viali, Del Piero. I mean, take a look at their midfield. There's the diversity there. Souza, uh, Deschamps, and Delivio or Conte. Um, you know, so, you know, it, Juventus is just going with some, so many of the same guys. Which position do you think Juventus hit at first? And this is a good conversation about Juve while we're at it. Midfield's the most glaring issue. Yes, but it, you've got to get guys that are different from what you've got in-house. Okay, yep. what do you do with, uh, you know, you've got Moretti who m- might be your long-term playmaker. Yeah. You know, might in, in, in midfield. I don't think you're ready to give him the number 10 just yet. I think you're feeling the burn from giving Dybala the number 10. It's not come close to what Del Piero did with that number or Platini. Um, but I think you need a midfield stopper. I would start there. Um, a ball winner that gives Locatelli more freedom, that gives Rabio more freedom, that gives um, uh, McKenney more freedom, and Zakaria too. So, um, you know, and then, and, you know, and then build out. I think you need one of those. And I think you need with with losing Dybala in just about all likelihood, you need a ten style midfielder. I don't think that's in house with you guys right now. I think you've got a you know Locatelli for me as a Metzella. I think he's got to be a guy that 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 pushes things and that yeah. backs up the play. Yeah. So, but I think I agree. I think that that is the most glaring issue. You're going to eventually need some cover in defense because Bonucci. Uh, is getting old. Uh, Chiellini's done <clears throat> um, just about, although yeah, I thought he played great today. And who knows if Delict stays, you know? Right. And who knows if Delict stays. But then I think I think you transitioned Danilo to center back. I don't hate that idea. I don't think he's a fullback anymore. Um, and then uh, and then you go from there. I think that that's where you start. You've got attackers. I mean, yeah. but you got to get the – you got to let the attackers attack. You got to let them play. And I think that they get handcuffed under a Legri system. So, yeah, agreed, agreed. But I've said it. I've said it multiple times before on this podcast. I've said, you know, I said if, they, if Juventus are smart, they're figuring out how what it would take to lure Italiano away from Fiorentina, and and just that would be the obvious way to change the culture um, at Juventus. You would probably be living with finishing fourth again next year, but it's fourth with the idea that you're going to start winning Scudetti again. So, yeah, that's that's fair. That's fair. Um, but that's just that's just what I that that that's that's what I see if I was to fix Juventus. So, um, because I've just pounded on that idea that culturally they just have to change, and if they do, then you've got Vlavic is scoring twenty five goals for you year in and year out. Um, you know, among other things that you're going to see that you're going to be happy with. So, um. I think that's. I think we've spoken enough about these teams. We should probably talk about what happened in match week thirty six. Yeah, well, let's uh, let's go ahead and do that. Uh, starting off with the Inter, we just talk about Inter. Let's keep talking about Inter. Uh, Inter hosting Empoli, uh, and it looked like we had a shock in our hands. Pinamonte scores against his club team in the fifth minute, uh, and then and, uh, Asalani made it uh, two nothing in the twenty eighth minute. You're thinking a shock is in hand here, but the first half was still playing. Uh, Demarco gets a shot off. Romagnoli gets an own goal against him in the fortieth. Five minutes later, Martinez gets a goal. Uh, all of a sudden, it's 2-2 going into halftime. Coming out of the break, Lartaro gets another goal in the 64th minute. And then in stoppage time, uh, Alexis Sanchez gets a goal 4-2. to 
Inter looked like they were in trouble, but they bounced back quickly with a nice victory by them. Somebody who didn't have such good luck, uh, let's go to Juventus. You know, we just saw it's Inter Juventus show, apparently. Um, Juve on the road at Genoa. Genoa, big game for them. They're in a relegation fight. Um, goal scoring would start early. Dybala, of course, scores against the bottom feeder team. Uh, in the 40th minute, one nothing, and it looks like they're sitting pretty. But then Goodmanson with a goal of the week candidate in the 87th minute. And then a penalty, which I disagree with. I don't know what your thoughts are on that penalty there before that Crescito ended up scoring. Uh, I didn't think it was a penalty. I thought the uh, Genoa attacker kind of stuck his leg out and dove, but that's me. What did you make of the call? Ooh, um, <clears throat> still on the fence. Sure. Even a few days later. Um, that's one of those where it's, you know, it's just op- so open. To, I mean, it's just open to interpretation. I, I you know, I, I, I get the argument for why it's a penalty. I also get the argument for why it's not. Yeah. Big three points, though, for Genoa. Uh, gets them out of the bottom. They're on 28 points. Still in that relegation zone. Uh, moving on, Torino hosting Napoli. This is actually a very entertaining game. Uh, good good back and forth between both teams. Uh, Napoli missed some quality opportunities. Honestly, Belotti missed some quality opportunities as well and really took until the 73rd minute. Fabio Ruiz decided to take the show over and uh, scored a nice goal, 73rd minute. Uh, one nothing. Napoli won. Uh, this game was, uh, inter- like I said, entertaining game. Both teams had opportunities. Um, I know had they lost this game, Lorenzo Insigne missed a sitter uh, in this game. I think he missed a penalty as well. Um, but, uh, yeah, one nothing. Napoli get the win on the road. They are, they're officially out of the Scudetto hunt. Uh, we knew that already. Uh, but they've locked up third place, I believe. So, you know. Um, Sassuolo hosting Udinese. Uh, Scamacca scored to get the goal scoring started in the sixth minute. Uh, Nightink in the 77th made it 1 1. That would be all the goals in this game, but this was a pretty entertaining game. It usually is with you know Udinese and Sassuolo. Weren't many goals, but it was still very entertaining. Moving on to Lazio hosting Sampdoria. Sampdoria now in the relegation fight. Uh, they had they fought a uh, feisty opponent in Lazio. Uh, Patrick officially finally gets his first goal, scored in the 41st minute. Mm. Uh, and then Luis Alberto, one of the goals of the week, kind of dancing around the goalie and the defenders, uh, make it 2 0 there. That's how they would win. Uh, yeah, brilliant goal by Luis Alberto in this game. You know, many, many people are talking about that goal over the weekend. Uh, Spezia, another team in the relegation fight, um, hosting Atalanta. Goal scoring will start by Muriel in the 16th minute. Daniele Verde did a nice move on a breakaway, got past the keeper, scored the goal, 1-1 in the 30th. Uh, but then the second half took off, and uh, Atalanta kept pressuring, kept you know, kept putting pressure on the goalie there. Provedel was doing really, really well, but Jamisi would get a, a header in the 73rd minute. And then the, the cap things off. Pasalic, the most striker like attacking midfielder in the in, in, in Europe, probably uh, made it three to one. Atalanta win on the road. The barn burner of the weekend was uh, another team in the relegation fight. The team actually at the bottom of the table, Venezia hosting Bologna. Goal scoring would start early. Henri with a wonderful goal there, uh, make it one nothing. Uh, they would make it 2 nothing in the 19th minute, and you're like, okay, here we go. It's sitting pretty for them, but Orsolini would get a goal back and stop it, time at first half. Arnautovic always scores. He scored you know, 10 minutes after that uh, in the second half. 2-2, um, Shouten, goal of the week. One of the goals of the week for me. Uh, yeah. Brilliant goal by him. Makes it 3-2, Bologna. Aramo gets a penalty, makes it uh, 4- 3-3, and then... Janssen with his, I think his first goal, first goal in a long time, honestly. Uh, stoppage time, 4-3, a thriller. Venezia get the big win at the time, big three points for them. 41, 41 shots in that game. Unreal, isn't it? Yeah. Unreal. Wow. 
You expect this from uh, Sassuolo and Udinese, not from uh, Venezia Bologna, but yeah. Hey, hey. Uh, yeah. Relegation six pointer. Salernitana hosting uh, Cagliari. Uh, very tight game. You know, opportunities going both ways. Salernitana will get the goal scoring started early. Um, Verdi was a penalty in the 68th minute. Looked like they were sitting pretty, but in the ninth minute of stoppage time, uh, Itair's got a goal. Made it 1-1. Cagliari, huge points for them because uh, they are, you know, they are, say above Genoa, they say above Venezia. They're now one point behind Salernitana. Uh, had they lost that, they would have been tied, you know, in Genoa and, and Salernitana would have been two more points ahead of them. So big, big goal at the end there for Cagliari, 1-1. I know George is happy and sitting pretty with that goal there. Uh, moving on, Hellas and Milan. The Scudetto on the line, obviously, for Milan. They got to <coughs> win out with Inter hot on their heels, uh, but didn't start off that great. Uh, Faraoni with a goal. Nice, beautiful pass from uh, Lazovic. Wonderfully done that on the left-hand side. Uh, really kind of taking advantage of uh, Calabria all game long. Yep. Uh, Faraoni in the back door got the goal in there, one nothing. Uh, but just before halftime, Leal doing what he always does is causing havoc, finds um, Tonali back door on his birthday, scores a goal, makes a 1-1 going into half. Coming out of the break, Pretty much the same thing. Leao again finds Tonali back door, hit two goals, gets a brace on his birthday. Uh, 2-1 at that point. Looks like Milan had a uh, – it was still running tight, but um, Milan were looking fairly comfortable. Then Florenzi comes in because he's going to lock up the shop, right? And he goes and scores a goal. Wonderful goal by him in 86 minute goal of the week candidate. Uh, 3-1 Milan, big win on the road for them. Their Scudetto hopes are still in their hands. And then to round it out, Fiorentina-Roma. This is a uh, European six-pointer here. Uh, Roma currently ahead of them in the table, ahead of Fiorentina, I should say. But we get a penalty in the fifth minute. Uh, Call which will, I thought it was a soft penalty, honestly, in my opinion. But Nico Gonzalez stepped up, scored the goal. He was the guy who was taken down. Uh, and then in eleventh minute, Bonaventura, goal of the week candidate, left wonderful left-footed shot by him. Two yeah. nothing. Fiorentina had the early lead, and that's all they would need. They would set up shop and, and lock things down. Vincenzo Taliano does it again, and don't look now, but. Uh, Currently, Fiorentina are in the Conference League, Champions League, or Conference League spot. The mid, the teams, the four teams that are hunting for that, the three available spots for Europe are, I mean, they're all within three points. Three of them are actually tied on 59, being Roma, Fiorentina, and Atalanta. So it's going to come down to the finish. Uh, big game with uh, Atalanta Milan this weekend. A lot on the line for both teams. Where do you want to start with this, Frank? Um, I'll disagree with you first. I thought that that was a legit penalty okay. uh, on Gonzalez. Karsdorp got him. Um, okay. Uh, so, uh, but that that's neither here nor there. Um, let's start with the title race. Uh, you know, because I think that within these games, there were emotional highs and lows for both fan bases. You know, the Inter Empoli game, you got that yeah. game starting off, and you've got Milan fans on a high, Inter fans on a low, and then that game turns upside down, and Inter wins the game, and Milan was Milan fans are like, well, we got to go win at Verona now. Yeah. And then Verona opens up with a lead, and Inter fans are thinking, hey, the title's ours, we've got this, and then Milan turned that around and wins. So, man, I mean, there have been so many twists and turns with this Scudetto race between these two teams. Um, you, you know, we, we know the drill right now. Milan finish hosting Atalanta at Sassuolo. Um, and then you've got Inter finishing up at Cagliari, uh, and then hosting Sampdoria. So, um, you know, the only, they're all, you know, they're all meaningful games and all five of the six teams involved 
are in game. Th- these games mean a lot. Okay. Inter have to play two of them um, at Cagliari and then hosting Sampdoria. The thing that you um, have to think about, though, with those teams, um, the bottom half to Inter have been very good at putting away the bottom half teams. The Empoli game, bit of an outlier through the first half hour or so. Uh, but now you've got, you know, at Cagliari hosting Sampdoria, teams that are trying to fight to stay in Serie A. So Inter, you know, are trying to chase down the Scudetto, but at the same time, they're going to play a big role in helping determine who goes down too. Um, you know, <clears throat> I'm not sure that a trip to Cagliari traditionally is always very, very difficult. It hasn't been this year. It'll only be difficult right now because of Inter coming off this game against Juve today. You know, are they professional enough to pick up and regroup and be ready? Because if they're not, this 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 thing's over. Um, if they fail to win, because you know, and if Milan can win at home against Atalanta, um, so that that that's what it's going to come down to. What's Inter's mindset like? How's their approach going to be? And I think. I, I'm not. I'm not counting on them to be hungover from this game. I think that they're going to be focused. I think they're going to go to Cagliari, um, and I think that they're going to perform. I don't think they're going to be dragging from this game. I think that Inzaghi will regroup these guys a little bit. Probably not overdo it with them in training and just have them ready for Sunday's game. So, um, you know, Milan have Atalanta who are fighting to stay in a European position, but. They go to a Sassuolo who, you know, the season is pretty much over for them. Um, you know, that said, Sassuolo has been a bogey team for Milan. They've been a bogey team for many of the top six or seven sides in this league. Um, they play up they, they play up to the level of play. They're up for it. For whatever reason, they just don't show up against the inferior opponents. Um, you know, the only outlier with Sassuolo against those big games is the recent beating they took from Napoli. Um, so lot, there's just so much within these four games that are going to shape the Scudetto winner that makes it still very, very difficult to call. I think Milan have it in them on the way they've played to get out of here with the necessary win and draw that they need to win the Scudetto. And I'm going to stick with it because that's who I picked to win this thing way back in August. Um, Inter are going to probably dismantle Cagliari and, and Sampdoria. I'm not buying into the 120 minutes hungover. If it happens, great. But I, I, I'm not going to anticipate that. I'm not going to uh, to plan for that. Um, so Because I know that a lot of Milan fans are talking about that. They're excited that Inter had to play 120 minutes against Juve uh, to win a cup today. So, But I'm, I'm not... I, I'm not going to count on that when they're still chasing a title, you know. Yeah, no, and they're fair. the defending champions. Yeah, no, that's fair. Um, yeah, and, and you know, and you know, Inzaghi wants his first title, so yep, all that's in their favor. Um, but you know, you, the thing I'm going to keep in mind too is that you know, Cagliari has not been good this year, but they're they don't want to get relegated, and they're in a dogfight with Salernitana, and even you mentioned Spezia, and even and Sabdori if you want to, um, and they're going to try to get every point they can. They're gonna make it difficult. I don't. I mean, I expect Inter to win this, but I think, I think, I think Cali are gonna make it tough for them. They need to. 
other their life their life is their life dependencies on the line here. And if, if they lose this game, which you know very well could happen, it's basically they're done because Salerno Town is playing so well at the moment. Uh, and they gotta they have to kind of steal one here if they want to survive. Uh, and then you know you mentioned Atalanta as well. They they could easily pull off six points here in the last two games and finish in fifth place. Um, they want to guarantee a European spot. They probably prefer to play in Europa League over um, Conference League. But you know they're going to make life difficult. They seem like they're back to their scoring ways. Pasalic is Pasalic and Murray have been playing so well as the latest uh, you know the last month or so. Pasalic all season long. And so both these teams, I think Atalanta and Cagliari, are going to make life difficult for both Milan and and Inter. And I think honestly, if you're fan base, if you're a fan of either of these two teams, you're going to be having, pull, having all these extra gray hairs pulling your hair out this weekend because it's going to get it's going to be tired than I think people want to. Can they both prevail? Absolutely, but it's yeah. going to be very difficult for both of them because the opponents have a lot to play for. Still, had they been playing Sassuolo or somebody who's completely out of it, I would say yeah, it's it's, they, it's a no brainer. Um, but you know, we'll see. We'll see. It yep. should be absolutely entertaining with these two. And then you know, at the bottom of the table, I mean, look how crazy that is now. I mean, Venezia looks like they're a foregone conclusion, but I mean, look at that 28, 29, 30 right there. Just those three three teams there, and you include Spezia and, and Sampdoria. Those two teams are not out of the woods just yet, like you mentioned. Spezia just needs a point here, and I think they're safe, like you said, but still any time, man. They uh that's gonna be the story of the year if they if they survive this uh relegation year. They're at Empoli, and then they host Udinese to finish mm. Salernitana. So two teams that are safe and have nothing to play for. I mean, maybe Udinese might have some incentive because they're only three points off of 10th that they want to have a top-half finish. You know, but judging from their performances in the last couple of games, certainly they they turned it on in – I mean, 4-0 against Fiorentina, for example, you know, to accumulate the points to assure their safety. But since then, they've that's kind of petered out. Um, so we'll see what kind of Udinese we see showing up for these games because Udinese has a pretty interesting hand in how this uh, relegation fight goes. Um so coming back to the Scudetto, so I mean, let's 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 go, let's talk about the title because it's down to Milan Inter. You're taking a look at these games. I think just on Milan's form and how they've been performing, I I think that at minimum they're coming out of Atalanta and at Sassuolo with at least a win and a draw. So they, I think they get the minimum four points required to clinch this thing. Are you are you there with them or? Yeah, I, I mean, I picked Milan in August. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick with Milan, um, but it's not easy. Obviously, we knew this from the, when, as soon as we saw the schedule, we knew it was gonna come down to the last couple of weeks. Um, it, it, it was gonna happen because Inter are that good; they're gonna be in the race. So, yeah, I do, I do think Milan's gonna get enough to win it. Um, it would be nice if they got two wins to end this, right? But uh, a, a win and a draw would do it there, and I think they can do it. I think they draw Atalanta and they win at Sassuolo. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I'll go win-win. Okay, I mean, if they go in and if they go win-win, I'll take that too. So, yeah. but I think it's a, I think they draw Atalanta. Atalanta, the issue is they're defending, and that's just going to be a common issue. But it, it, but it's a Milan that's, for all intents and purposes, fine. They got three goals against Ellis Verona. They still struggle to score. They create a lot of chances, but they still struggle to finish. Um, so, you know, make of that what you will. So before we get to the question by Camilasso, um, 
the European battle between Lazio, Roma, Fiorentina, and Atalanta. He was talking that's about that. A, that's a heck of a battle here with, with two games to go. Who are you tipping to um, make it? I mean, Roma's in a unique situation, right? Because they're in the Conference League finals against Feyenoord. Um, so if they win that, they have a good chance. I think. I think they make it to European into the Europa League if they win, but I'm not positive on that. Yeah, but. the uh, Conference League champion goes to the Europa League. So I mean, they have it in their favor if they win it, but if they don't win it, I don't know when that game is, but you know, that's not a guarantee that they're going to win that game. Feyenoord's a pretty good team. Um, of these four teams, who do you tip to? Who do you think is the odd team out between these four? That's hard. Roma host Venezia on Saturday, uh, then travel to Torino for their last game. Um, Lazio are at Juve on Monday, and then they host Verona. Um, so for each of those teams, not necessarily done deals that they're over the line for Europe, you yeah. know, at least as far as league is concerned. Fiorentina traveled to Sampdoria, then they host Juve, um, you know, to finish things up. And we'll see what Allegri does with this Juve team over the last couple of games as well. Because there's really nothing left for Juve to play for. They're play done. The yeah. There's nothing for them to win. They're locked in fourth. They could, if they were really, if they wanted to try to track down Napoli for third, fine. Few extra, a few extra bucks for everybody. A few extra euros for everybody. Um, Atalanta travel to Milan, uh, and then they host Empoli. Um, I think that. All right, so let's do this. Atalanta, I can see three points against Empoli. Let's do, and we said I said they'll draw Milan, so they're going to finish on sixty-three. Lazio host Hellas Verona, who we'll see what their motivation level is going to be like. Lazio is going to be plenty motivated. Yeah, Juve is going to be hungover from their Copa game. I'll, I'll go draw win for Lazio to put them on 66, and that will be enough to put Lazio in the Europa League. I've got Atalanta on 63. Uh, Roma host Venezia, and then they travel to Torino. Hmm. So I'm going to give them four points. Um, I'll say they – no, I'll give them six. So I'll put them on 65. Um, and then Fiorentina – Host Sampdoria or away to Sampdoria, host Juve. I, you know, I think that the way I think the way it sits right now is the way it's going to finish, and Atalanta is going to be out. Yeah, yeah, and I think Juve is going to finish where they're at because I think Napoli is going to take care of Genoa this weekend. Uh, Napoli are too good, too they're too dominant offensively. I think they're gonna they're gonna find a way to win. It's not gonna be a blowout or anything, but they'll get the win. Um, so I think Juve is locked in that position, and they're going to be probably playing youth youth here on out. Um, but I like your call. I might flip flop Fiorentina Atalanta, but I don't know. It's it's close. I, I definitely think Lazio than Roma, um, and then Roma. And I think that what happens here, Roma Fiorentina Atalanta. Right now, it's situated like that because they all are on fifty nine points. And if I'm not mistaken, isn't Fiorentina? Don't they have head-to-head on Roma? I would think so, but it's obviously not if they're behind them in the table. Um, let's see here. Right? It's head-to-head first. That's why Milan was ahead of Inter. But there's the three-way tie right now on 59 points. Yeah. So 
Yeah, Roma won 3-1 at home against Fiorentina, and then Fiorentina won 2-0. So because of away goals for Fiorentina, because they still do the away, they still factor away goals in the head-to-head um, in Serie A. So the away goal for Fiorentina, they would end up going ahead of Roma. Hmm. And I think that what you're seeing here with, since it's a three-way tie, I think it's like a, might be a cumulative head-to-head. This is strange because I think, so if Atalanta finishes on 63 and then Roma and Fiorentina each finish on 65, then I think Fiorentina finished sixth, Roma finished seventh. And this is assuming Lazio get to 66, which I think. Which and then I if Roma the wins the, the conference league, they're in, and then all of a sudden somebody else is out. Yeah. So, yeah, so all, so you'd have three teams in the Europa League. And then I wonder if that moves Atalanta into the conference league then. So we'll have to see. I mean, it's all confusing. It's, I mean, yeah. UEFA. UEFA just throws all these competitions at us and confuses us. But I, I, I think the way that it sits right now is the way it's going to finish. And then uh, Camilasa says, uh, "Does Latito have a problem or concern if Salernitana don't get relegated?" I thought he was going to. I thought he was supposed to sell it, but there was. I didn't catch what happened in the winter window, winter mercato. Um, what, what was the final decision on that? You know whether he was. I thought that somebody sell? came in and bought it. Okay. So. Okay. Um, so that's. Uh, one less issue than he has to worry about uh, if Salernitana do get saved. So, um, yeah, interesting. Interesting. Yep. But what a story. If da- Davide Nicola does it again, which looks like he is, uh, that's uh, another fantastic. I mean, he's just, he'll be known as the uh, relegation saver or whatever you want to call it because he's done it, what, three times now with uh, twice the Crotone and now with um, uh, Salernitana. So, yep. All right, let's look at 15 through 20 right now for the relegation fight because they're all nobody's nobody's relegation has been confirmed yet. Yep. I know. Venezia's win against Bologna kind of kept them in the fight, even though we all think they're gonna be the first one to go. Yeah, they will probably go. It'll be sad to lose those unit those kits. So um Sampdoria host Fiorentina at Inter. I don't see a point for them. Eesh. So they're, they're going to be stuck on 33. Um, Spezia. Ho- at Udinese, hosting Napoli. Maybe a draw at Udinese. Should we give yeah. them a draw at Udinese? That's the best I think they can do. They're not going to get Napoli. And they'll lose it. Okay, so we'll give them a point. We'll put them on 34. So they're uh-huh. going to be ahead of Sampdoria. So Salernitana at Empoli, hosting Udinese. Ooh, they could get as much as four points in this one. I'm going to give them four points. They're you know that the form that they're in right now from the last five games? Yeah. If they had that form all season, they'd be on Three 79 wins, points right, right now. now. They'd be on 79 points right now. They'd be a point behind uh, Milan. So it's crazy, the run that they're on. But I'm going to give them four points. I'm going to put them on 34. So they're going to be... Ahead of Sampdoria. Yep. Salernitana and Spezia are ahead of Sampdoria. All right. Now we go to Cagliari, hosting Inter at Venezia. Ooh. Ooh. Um, I'm going to give them two points. All right. So you're going to put them on 31. Yeah. Okay. They're out. All right. Uh, Genoa at Napoli, hosting uh, Bologna. Ooh. Ooh. It all comes down to Napoli's interest level in this game. I think they can beat Bologna, 
I think Napoli want to guarantee that they finish third, and so they're going to come out in this game. All right, so let's give Genoa against who's the last one they play? Venezia. They host Bologna. Oh, Bologna. I think Bologna is a vacation mode. Even though Arnautovic can doesn't stop scoring, I'll give him three points there somehow. It's thirty-one. It's tied with Cagliari. Right. So tied with Cagliari, and then Venezia. Um. At Roma, um, hosting Salernitana. Is that right? No, hosting Cagliari. Sorry, they're done. Yeah, <laughs> one point. We said one point against. All right. So the way we're looking at this, if we think that that's the way it's going to go, then the, the three, the, the bottom three, are going down. Yeah, because we think Salernitana are going to end up finishing fifteenth. Sampdoria and Spezia are going to survive by the skin of their teeth. They're going to survive survive by two points. Yeah. Um, where Cagliari and Genoa are each. So Cagliari, Genoa, Venezia are the teams we're picking to go down. Sorry, George. Eesh. Well, George is even saying. Yeah. Um, yeah. George is even saying it. So, yeah, I, I, that's, that's what I see. I'm not, I'm, I'm, you know, but that's the beauty of it. All of these teams are still alive. But if we're trying to th- be practical about what we think the results are going to be, then the, the, the way the bottom three is, right now is the three that are going down. Um, and we know for sure that uh, Lecce and Cremonese are coming up next year, right? For sure. Is it Lecce and Cremonese? What about Monza? Did Monza not Monza get there? Did, no, they, they're in the playoff. Really? Yeah. They were, they, they had dropped. a, they had a they look at it. In. Oh boy. I yeah. So Lecce, got the, Lecce won the league. Cremonese got the automatic promotion. And I think Monza dropped because they, they played poorly at the end and they're in the playoff now. Yeah. They lost to Perugia. Yeah. They lost to Perugia. Okay, so right now, and is that that is finished in Serie B. So we have Lecce and Cremonese. Cremonese, man. I remember yeah. Cremonese from the yeah. 90s. Welcome back. Lecce, we get to see the UK boys come back. Lecce, UK boys. Right. And our playoff is now, do they do six teams for the playoff? It's, yeah, I think it's something crazy like that. It's a lot of teams. Like Pisa and Monza are going to get a bye. And then it's like Brescia against Perugia, and then Ascoli against Benevento. If I if I've got that right, City B promotion playoff. Let's look that up for a minute. Sit tight, everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, if you're will... a fan of Cagliari, Genoa, Venezia, doesn't look good for you. It does not okay. look good for you. Yes, we are we are correct on that. Um, let's see. Uh, Playoff dates and format are set. Uh, let's see. So, Ascoli, Benevento, Brescia, Perugia, Monza, Pisa, Cosenza, and Vicenza. So, there's eight teams. Okay, so Lecce and Cremonese promoted. This is from Susie Campanelli at uh, Football Italia. Um, I like to try to – I like to cite my sources, so I don't want to pass this off as something that I thought of myself. Um, so – it's basically an eight-team playoff, so it's you know, and it's going to be over two legs. Um, each each one's going to be over two legs. Semi the semifinals are two-legged affairs, so it looks like the first round of games are single elimination. Semifinal are two legs, and then it's um, Ascoli or Benevento host Pisa. Oh no, there's six teams. I'm sorry. Well, then where's Cosenza and Vicenza coming from? Somebody's gonna have to explain this to me like I'm a, like I'm a child. 
So <laughs> now I, I don't. Okay, so we just spent a whole bunch of time trying to figure out the CRDB promotion playoffs, and we no, don't correct. <laughs> we just don't know. Okay, uh, so there you go. Um, we know that Lecce and Cremonese are coming up. So yeah, that's that's about all we know. So that's I think we'll just leave it at that. So sounds good to me. We know Moans is in the picture. Yeah. So, um, but it's what it is. All right. Um, goals of the week. Um, I've got the scouting goal. I've got the Tonali second. Um, and Bonaventura's goal. I really had three. I came up with. Yeah, I'm gonna go with. Um, I'm gonna go with the runner up of. I'm not doing the top five. I'm doing, my runner up is is um Luis Alberto and then I get the, the winner for me is Shelton. I thought it was a great goal by him. Um excellent footwork, excellent finish by there. So that's my goal of the week there. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. There you go. Six teams with four in a playoff. The winners playing the third and fourth place teams. That's what it was. That's what I said earlier, but Susie's got like eight teams in the article. Yeah. All right. Be better, Susie. You're confusing everybody. <laughs> So probably sue us for that. <laughs> anyway, let's move on, shall we? It's time for who won Calcio Twitter, the world's most popular hashtag game. Uh, lead us off, Richard. All right. So, uh, so no, I guess the big show is one nominating this one, uh, and it's from IFTV. It says uh, IFTV says Sassuolo are giant killers. Not say hold my beers, and they beat. That's because they beat Sassuolo six one. The joke <laughs> is already there. Yep. All right. Yep. All right. <laughs> okay. Uh, the big show. I, the big show has done better. All right. Uh, Dibala and Tuku Correa practicing their celebration. This is this is from our, our friend Uncle Sharma. Oh my God! <laughs> I'm turning this off. <laughs> uh, leader in the clubhouse. I don't even know if there's music to it, but whatever. Bizarre. Um, yes. Yes. All right, All right, moving on. Moving on. Fino Alfine, AJ in the house. He says, uh, funny how Juve fans want Guardiola to coach Juve. If he can't win Champions League with two billion te- two billion dollar team at City, he won't be able to do it at Juve with Rabiot and Moise King. <laughs> facts. That is a fact. <laughs> facts. That is a so. fact. All right. Um, Jerry Mancini nominating Roma fan crashes while taunting Leicester fans. <laughs> So this poor Roma fan is like trying to insult Lester, you know, after their win, and then runs right to the back of a car, and the Lester bus just stops, and they all laugh at him. <laughs> Look at, <that>. boom! <laughs> That's something I would do. That's something. Well, I would Roma do. don't know how to celebrate being in finals. You got to give these guys a chance. It's their first time. That's true. That's true. I mean, for most of them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. So, I mean, you got to give them a little. You, you know, you got to cut them a little slack. Oh. We did. Uh, Albertini was a nominee, but uh, the video was taken down, so I don't remember at all what it is. So, uh, uh, right. sorry, Albertini. That's a bummer. It but, probably would have been the winner. It probably would have been the winner. It probably would have, maybe. Oh, well. Uh, so, this is funny. It's not culture related per se, but uh, Brazilian defender Marcelo was dropped from Lyon due to continuous farting and laughing in the dressing room. Most bizarre story I've ever heard in my life. And uh, so Bobby nominated uh, Bilal, who says, the manager, okay, guys, here's the game plan. And Marcel just stands up and starts dancing and farting. <laughs> Most bizarre story ever. Oh, All right. My gosh. Um, 
I want to know what kind of farts these were that he got kicked off the team. Yeah. Uh, now we now the big show is showing his quality here uh, at uh, double underscore Neratsuri. Can't believe Inter have won more trophies at the Stadio Olimpico than Lazio and Roma combined. <laughs> nice. Nice. Wonderful. All right. This one also comes from, oh, it's from Brozaholic. It's a picture of uh, Inter cocky as could be after their win. <laughs> Petty Vlahovic. <laughs> cocky Napoli, Roma, Milan, and Juve out of the way. And then getting their Coppa Italia win. <laughs> Cre- creative. Very creative. <laughs> oh, my goodness. He is a, He is a previous winner as well. All right. Uh, finally, at Kurt zero four one one FIFA, Inter want Manchester United to pay forty eight million for twenty eight year old winger Ivan Perisic. What do you think they're smoking over at the San Siro? Yeah, that was from twenty seventeen. Uh, how he how he bites his words now, uh, Kava. Ah, is that what it is? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, is that it? Oh, we got one more. One more. George. Uh, George throwing one in. Points and games played. We need to discuss your life choices. <laughs> All right. What you got? Which one you got? I don't know. I'm kind of showing some sympathy for George here. Uh, I, this gave me the most laughs, unfortunately. I think it's I think it's Uncle Sharma though. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Is he a three time winner, four time winner now? He's up there. Yeah, he's 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 done it again. Oh so. my gosh. All right. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Our eyes, our eyes. Otherwise, Brosaholic, I think that was an interesting one as yeah, well. Yeah, that was very creative. It's between those two. Ugh. I'm going to go Uncle Sharma just because it traumatized me and I laughed. Okay. Okay. Either way, it's Inter's day. Anthony says Uncle Sharma. Traumatizing, but... Funny. (laughs) Uncle Sharma is our winner. As Uncle Sharma goes... One Calcio Twitter this week. Oh, very good. All right. Oh, what a week. What a week. Two games to go. The, uh, yes. All to play for with uh, the Scudetto, with European spots, with relegation. Uh, so much is on the line. Um want to give a shout out again. You mentioned the beginning of the podcast to the Calcha Connection takeover that happened last week with Jerry and Alex. Uh, thank you guys for jumping in and jumping in for uh, Frank's absence. Uh, had a lot of fun on the show, as always, with you guys. So. Uh, good to catch up too. It's been a while. Alex has lost fifty pounds. You believe that? He looks good. He looks yeah, good. Yeah, he's, he's good, 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 getting in good shape. Yep, definitely. Ted Bundy's Pizzeria. Casey Neistat. <laughs> What's that about? Was I'm that a nominee good. for Who Won Calcio Twitter? I may have missed it. it. I don't know. Maybe they misspelled it. Or was yeah? I could be. Who knows? Yeah. Oh my. Um, yeah, so I think with that we'll put a bow on this edition of who uh, who won Couch or Twitter, but also on City I Sit Down. It's <laughs> what happens when I take a week off. Uh, uh, yeah. Richard, uh, shameless plug time. Just did for Alex and uh, Jerry. Um, yeah, just uh, thank you all the people in the chat. Brought it tonight again. 
everyone who's been contributing to Who Won't Count You on Twitter. It's busy as of late, but uh, you know, as always, you can follow me and my my takes, good or not, at r underscore k h a r m a n on Twitter. Excellent. You can follow me at ftc underscore twenty one. Uh, City, I sit down. We have our own channel on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud. You can also find us on Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever there are podcasts. There is City I sit down. Um, at City I sit down on Twitter and Instagram is where you want to go for comments, questions. Uh, hashtag Who Won Calcio Twitter for nominees for that. Um, on Twitter, uh, again, keep it clean, keep it civil, don't make it offensive. And uh, we will read your entry uh, on our next podcast, which is actually going to be a pretty short turnaround. Richard, is it Sunday night we're looking at? Yeah, yeah, it is quick. Look at that. Sunday night, we'll be able to uh, break down everything that happened on Match Week 37, maybe set the stage. We might have a champion. We might have some relegation places confirmed. We also might not. So yeah. it's uh, it's all still up for grabs and uh, certainly looking forward to that as it comes. So join us at that time, Sunday night, 9 p.m. Eastern uh, on our YouTube channel. Until then, always keep telling your paisans about us. Ciao.